Welcome to Motivators in Motion, where the world's top talent give you a daily dose of what drives them towards excellence to give you the inspiration you need to pursue your passion. Listen in as industry professionals, elite athletes, and star-studded entertainers share their unique experiences and encourage you to take that next step toward achieving your dream. It's time to put yourself in motion with your host, Brad Delius. Hey everyone, are you ready to be motivated? Today we're going to be speaking with Taylor Schold. Taylor is the founder of Schold Media Group, where their aim is to help inspire and educate the next generation of media professionals through networking and career development. We're going to chat with Taylor about his company today and how young professionals are learning to stand out from the crowd. All of this in just a second, but first, let's thank our sponsor. Interactive offers have taken traditional marketing to the next level. With a technology that allows publishers to serve dedicated emails, in-email native ads, and other media channels with a cost-per-click model. Publishers remain in control of their audience by selecting inventory that will best fit their users. Interactive offers have partnered with leading publishers such as Raging Bull, Motley Fool, and the Washington Times to help marketers boost traffic, get conversions, and increase revenue through different media channels all in one hub. Their goal is to remain completely transparent and maximize ROI and revenue. Whether you're looking to get traffic or already have traffic in place, Interactive Offers can boost your profits and conversions. Visit InteractiveOffers.com to get started today. Interactive Offers. Smarter marketing, better results. That's InteractiveOffers.com. Taylor, welcome to the podcast, man. It's great to have you on. And if you could, just start out by telling everyone what you're most excited about in your life right now. Well, first of all, thanks for having me on. I really appreciate it. Uh, One of the things that I'm most excited about right now is actually getting the opportunity within my day job at Hockey Night in Canada of... um, working in the trucks at uh, NHL games. That's been something that I've been working towards for a long time. And for the last 10 years, I've been working mostly within the studio aspect of the show. But uh, in the last year or so, I've been actually been having the chance to get out and working in the truck at the actual venue. So I've been doing some traveling with work and seeing some cool places in both the U.S. and Canada. And it's been it's been a blast so far. What is that like to have that, uh, you know, that unique perspective of being able to travel back and forth, you know, just geographically from Canada to the United States and, and vice versa, and to maybe get that sense of, oh, you know, things are unique in this one area and they're different here, you know, just that back and forth, what that's been like for you over the years? You know, it's amazing. Like when you drive from Toronto to, let's say, Detroit, the second you cross the border at Windsor, you're like, wow, I'm, if you, you feel like you're in a whole new world. Just everything changes. And it's so weird because Canada and the U.S. are so similar in so many ways, but so different in so many others that even though it's right across the river, you go under a bridge and, or under a tunnel and you're there, you're like, wow, I'm in, I'm in a new place. And the one thing that's cool about traveling for work is you get to go to a lot of different places. Like the last year alone, I went to Phoenix. I went to San Jose. I went to Denver. I went to Vancouver, Edmonton. Um, all over. So it's really cool, especially for my job, because I worked in the studio a lot, getting the, the, the chance to see what happens in the field and be able to then use that knowledge to better my job in, in the studio. It's been a real help for me. Now you're from Canada originally, correct? Yeah, I was born in Vancouver 
in the West Coast, and then I moved to Toronto when I was uh, about seven years old. My dad got a new job out here, so we've been here uh, ever since in Toronto. And how old were you when, uh, if you can think back, when you probably, the first time you actually held a hockey stick in your hand? How young? Oh, man, probably like five or six, just out on the street. And then uh, when we moved to Toronto, one of the caveats my parents said was, we'll put you guys in hockey because we weren't, we weren't in hockey when we lived in, in Victoria, Vancouver. So we got to play like when I was seven years old, that's when I first started playing and haven't looked back. I don't think there's any other, you know, I haven't had the opportunity to travel a whole lot outside of the U S I've been fortunate to been to, I've been to the majority of the States of uh, the States here, um, within the country, but I'm just trying to think of if there is a country and a sport that are more so, um, you know, together than hockey in Canada. I can't think of it, right? I mean, there's a unique bond between Canadians and the hockey. Oh, for sure. And every year, it's funny, we have a show uh, called Hockey Day in Canada, where we take our broadcast to like a small town in Canada and broadcast um, an entire day of activities from there. And then in, in addition to that, every Sunday, we have a show on our channel called Rogers Hometown Hockey, where our crew goes to a different small town and does a show from there. So kind of like college game day goes to different colleges. Yeah. We go to like a small town that's like a big hockey town and it's, uh, it's amazing to see how much the game impacts people. So you've done a lot of work obviously, uh, with, with TV and, and hockey up in Canada and eventually you decided to launch Schold Media Group and, I'm thinking maybe there was a special moment along the way or an experience for you that maybe helped to inspire this type of work uh, where you are essentially helping other people out uh, in their careers as well. Take us through that journey, if you could, Taylor, of just the initial startings of Schuld Media Group and why you were inspired to do it. Honestly, initially, it started as self-preservation. Uh, I was working at the CBC, which is like our, it's kind of like the BBC of Canada. It's like the government funded uh, broadcasting corporation. Yeah. And we were going through some massive layoffs and the CBC was all unionized. And I was one of the newest hires. So obviously when it's all unionized, the newest hires are the first to go. And I honestly didn't know anybody outside of where I worked. And I was trying to think of a way to meet people within the industry, but without kind of being, uh, a leech. I didn't want to just like jump onto them and just take knowledge from them and, and just use it for my own advantage. I wanted to figure out a way how the, the communication and the conversations could be mutually beneficial. So then I came up with the idea of creating my own website, which was just like a, a portfolio website with all the work I had done. And then on, on there, I'd start doing profiles and where I could pick people's brain in the industry about you know what they've gone through, how they've uh, met people, how they've gotten their jobs, how networking has helped them. And through, through there, I got to talk to some really cool people. And it was like uh, one of those things where when you cold call someone asking if you can do an interview with them for a website, it's much better for them than if you just cold call someone saying, Hey, can I pick your brain for, you know, half an hour, an hour, and it yeah. kind of ends with you. And from there, uh, the section on my personal website that had all these interviews became too big for just a separate tab on my own site. So I decided, you know what, let's make this like a real thing. So I started, I started, um, showed which was now going to be a hub of interviews and articles and videos of people in the industry who can share their knowledge with others. And it's, it's been about 10 years now and it's really grown 
a lot. And the people I've met and interacted with would, would blow my mind of how, how awesome people are and how, how great they are with gener- uh, generously donating their time to help others in this field. What's one of the biggest things that once you started to put this together, you said it's been about a decade now, that the network of people you started to bring together, what was maybe one of the biggest concerns or one of the biggest uh, things that people had mentioned to you about the state of uh, you know just media in general and trying to find work and everything that goes along with it? One of the biggest maybe just uh, you know questions maybe that was raised by bringing people together that maybe it was a little bit surprising to see. I wouldn't say surprising, but I would say that people are worried that the industry itself is shrinking. Like we see it every day with either stations closing down or newspapers getting bought out or things like that. And it's like, well, how am I supposed to get a job if all these people who are really good are all getting laid off for no fault of their own? And so that's why I try to ask people, you know, how they can stand out, what, um, what they wish they knew 10 years ago that they know now about the industry, things like that, where it really takes, living within the the field and learning about it and really putting your all into it to get the answers that you you might need and one of the greatest things about talking to all these different people is you get such a different perspective like you talk to people who live in california or who live in new york who live in florida like they have such different geographical locations but a lot of their thought processes and how they get better is all the same so it doesn't really matter what market you're in it doesn't really matter where you're on TV or on the radio. Like it just matters that you're being yourself and that you're learning as you go and really applying that to this field, because it's a lot of the thing with networking, it's who, you know, and who knows you. Right. So that becomes a huge aspect of staying uh, relevant and staying employed in this business. And if you are under the uh, unfortunate circumstance of getting laid off or fired, having a network where you can reach out to to help you find your next job is crucial. What are some things you found by interviewing some of these young professionals in media, some things that they are trying to, whether it's something that they're doing on their resume to make them stand out, whether it's a cover letter that they're writing that maybe a candidate they're up against for a certain job is not doing. Is there something you found that, you know, it really is helping them in in certain instances to get some of these jobs? And, you know, again, maybe it's not the glamorous job at first, you know, maybe it's the job in the small market to get them started, but whatever it is that they're doing, it is making an impact. Yeah. And even getting a job in a small market is really tough. Yeah. Um, So the number one thing that I would say people do in broadcasting is have a really great demo reel. And your demo reel is basically your signature and what people first see. Like you could have an amazing resume, but if people click on your demo reel and you're boring or it's boring, then they're going to click off in two seconds and they're not even going to give you a call. So the, the major thing is, is having a great reel. And then the other thing that people say is, well, there's two things. The, the number one thing is be yourself. Like there's only one you and that's not going to fit in every market, but the market where it does fit in, that's where you're going to have the best chance of success. So in your reel, be yourself as much as you can. Don't put on that like, you know, fake broadcaster voice, but be who you are because that's what stations want. They want people who are genuine. They want people who care. They want people who are their authentic self. And then the other thing is basically practice. Like the, the biggest thing for people to, to do to stand out is to get good. And the only way they get really, really good is to practice a lot. And that doesn't mean being on the air every single day. Uh, what 
a lot of people do now is create their own content. Like what you're doing, what a lot of people through Show Media Group do is they create their own stuff on YouTube, through podcasting, um, doesn't matter, Instagram. They're out there all the time interviewing people, getting reps in front of the camera, talking to the camera. Because uh, it's, as you know, talking to a microphone or to a camera is very different than talking in, in real life. And the pauses and ums and ahs that we might say in our daily life doesn't cut it on camera. And by getting really good and teaching your brain that you're going to be performing, because this is entertainment after all, like sports, news, doesn't matter. You're still got to entertain. So by being as smooth and as polished as you possibly can be, that's a really great way to stand out. Is it something that when you talk about there, obviously people trying different avenues, going down unconventional paths with people just doing their own stuff and putting their own content out there because it's that's one of the biggest things, right? Just the reps like you talked about there, just the more and more reps you have, doesn't matter in the capacity you're doing it, but as long as you're getting the work in, that's going to help to shine through ultimately at the end of the day. Do we see more people going down this path? Do you see a Taylor of people starting their own businesses or just thinking more entrepreneurial? Because look, let's face it, people aren't going to be, as you know, better than anyone else, people aren't going to be at a company for 30, 35 years anymore. And that's going to be it. You know, people are going to be bouncing around or people will have their own businesses. Do you see that being more of a, you know, not just a one-off, but you know, uh, there's still a good amount of people who you see going down that route. Yeah. And the thing about going down that route is it's incredibly hard to become profitable right away. And you have to realize that your YouTube channel isn't going to have a million views day one. And you might only get a hundred views if you're lucky after your first video, but continuing down that path. And after your hundredth video, you may have cumulatively a hundred thousand views on all your videos. So it, it, it is tough. Definitely starting starting your own your own thing doing that way but a lot of people do it as a way to supplement another job or they use it just to build their own resume and their portfolio while they're working as a bartender or anything else that will pay the bills day to day and then while you're doing that you're building up your skills because it's you know if you're if you're doing a job that you really don't like and you're not building towards a job that you do want then you're kind of just stuck in one spot right and it, it definitely for starting your own business in this industry, in the media industry is incredibly hard, but there's a lot of spinoffs. Like it's one thing to say, oh, I'll be a YouTube influencer, Instagram influencer, but that's one in a million of people who actually make it, make it their job. But if you can use it as sort of a side hustle or as a way to generate a little bit of income on the side, those opportunities can actually lead to greater things down the road. And that's the main thing that I've seen is people who leverage what they do on the side into something bigger down the road. How do you maintain positivity and not getting too low when, you know, we've all seen this, you're applying to so many different places and even the smaller markets like we touched on earlier are not getting back to you. And it looks like there's just really no end in sight to be able to land that job if you're an up and coming whether it's a sports broadcaster, if we're talking a sideline reporter, whatever it may be, we all go through those lulls. What is your advice or what have you seen people do, Taylor, to continue to push through tough times and you know, just kind of say to yourself, you know what, I'm just going to try and keep grinding and keep putting stuff out there because eventually something's going to click. Yeah. You know what? We actually had a, a profile um, interview get back to me recently uh, with with his answers to a bunch of questions that I sent him. And one of the greatest things that he said was, you're allowed to be discouraged, but not deterred. 
So what I would say is you need to keep pushing forward. And I know it's frustrating, but that's where creating your own content comes into it because you can be working at a bar five nights a week, but on those other two days a week where you're actually, you know, producing content and getting better and seeing growth in your views and in your, in your own skill set, that's going to be a way to make yourself feel good. And for you to actually be able to reach out to people again and say, Oh, Hey, since the last time we spoke or the last time I applied for this job, I've done this, this, and this. And I may, uh, you might be impressed by, by what I've done in the last two months. And it's a way for you to keep yourself going. And it's also a way to see yourself improve too, right? Because if you, if you go back and watch like your own stuff from five years ago, you might go, oh my God, it's so cringeworthy. I can't believe I thought I was good. Well, the same thing will happen to people who are creating their own content today in three, four months. They're going to be even better than they were now. And the chances of landing a job are infinitely higher the better you are and the better you get. So true. And we just, we see so many different examples of, of people and uh, just the competition gets so more and more fierce. It's crazy, right? And we see and it across know, so many this, different escapes. This, mm-hmm. this industry is, is one of like attrition where people who stick to it, they're the ones who succeed because it, it's a, even when you make it, when you're in the industry, it's still very hard. It's grind. Like there's a lot of things every day that you do that, you know, people just see you on TV or on a podcast and go, that's, that's so easy. But it, it honestly, it's really hard to make, to make uh, it look easy. That's the hardest thing. You look at really professional broadcasters and they're great because they make it look easy, even though it's impossible. Like if you send regular Joe Blow in front of a camera and say, here, do a 30 second stand up. Oh, and then when you think you're finishing, like someone's ear saying, we need another minute. And you're like, oh my God. And you have to just be super smooth yeah. and continue like nothing happened. Like that's a really, really hard skill. And that's why really great broadcasters are, are paid a lot and why they make it look so easy. Do we think that at the college level or just any type of media schools, are young professionals being trained adequately? Is, is the, are the lessons being taught, uh, you know, is it coming across from the book and is it coming across from the hands-on in the practice studios? Do you get that sense? Have you gotten that sense uh, that they are being trained adequately and they're prepared for this type of grind and this type of fierce job market? I don't really know. I wouldn't say yes, 100%, because as you know, a lot of times curriculums are five years behind, you know, the real world examples. And in this media landscape, five years behind might as well be 20 years behind. And I think by people either volunteering at local stations or getting their feet wet doing something in the industry, that to me is more valuable than like a really like getting, you know, I, I went and got a radio and television degree from Ryerson here in Canada. And I know people who have got their university degree or college diploma and then have gone off and done a master's and they spent so much money on a master's in journalism or broadcasting. It's like, you know what, unless you want to become a university professor down the road, save your money and go get a, like a, either a low paying job or an internship somewhere where you're actually in the field working every day, building relationships and learning the processes of how things are working today because the curriculum that you're going to be learning is going to be a little bit behind. And, and in today's changing landscape, you can't be behind at all. You have to be pushing the envelope forward yourself. And I, like, I can't speak, obviously, for every program out there. And I think a lot of them are doing a really good job of getting people in front of the camera and trying different things in the control room and in front of the camera and out in the field. But 
there's nothing like actually doing it yourself and being on a deadline. What's maybe one of the easier paths initially if someone is looking to get into a bigger company and it's hard, obviously, to get an on-air position, have you found that there's certain jobs i.e. social media, public relations, that people can get their foot in the door a little bit faster than on air. If if they want to work for a bigger company and if if an on-air position is just not an option initially, what's a good backup? Yeah, so what what I did I think is actually a really good way to go is I started off as an intern at CBC, Hockney in Canada, and then from being an intern, I basically worked part-time like as soon as my internship ended um i worked a few rounds of the playoffs then i was off all summer so i was doing that thing where i was applying to jobs and looking for places but i really couldn't find anything uh so i worked at a golf course all summer but you know with the hopes that maybe in the fall i'd get back at hockey night and sure enough i did i got more part-time work which turned into full-time work which turned into like a staff job and that was really the benchmarking cornerstone of my entire career was that first internship Without that, I would never have gotten my first job. Without that, I would have never gotten my second job and so on and so on. So I think what, what people want to do, let's say you want to be on air at ESPN. There's no shame in going to ESPN and working as a shot lister or working someone behind the scenes within the company. Then you're seeing how the company actually works and you're also getting access to people there. So as soon as you work at ESPN, like you, you would have access to emails from everyone in the whole company. And if you're, you've got the stones to email someone higher in the food chain than you, and ask if you can shadow them or if you could, you know, take them off the coffee or see how they work or what they do, you know, and they accept that's a great way to build your network and to start meeting people. And that they, they will have connections as well at smaller stations that you might be able to get on air a lot faster. And I'm not saying you go to ESPN as a shot lister and work in their highlight department. The next thing you know, you're going to be on air, but it's a great way to build your network with people who can help you get on air. What continues to motivate you Taylor to, put out new interviews and to spotlight new people through Shoal Media Group and all the work you're doing. And not just, you know, when when it's all going good, because that's, you know, everyone goes through those ups and, and when it's things are going good, they tend to be going good. But, you know, when, when the lulls come in and, you know, everyone goes through peaks and valleys, what's that constant for you and in the work you do that just allows you to continue to push through it? Yeah, it's funny because I go through a lot of like peaks and valleys. Like I'll go through a time where I'll have, you know, a bunch of great interviews going up on the website and a lot of great feedback. And then there are times where I kind of think like, why am I even doing this? Like I, you'll hear, you'll post an article and you won't, you won't see any retweets. Um, people won't really respond to it. And you're like, well, what's the difference between that article and the one that we posted before? But then what always happens is I'll get an email from someone saying, oh my God, this last article like really helped me out. I was going through the same thing. Or one time I was getting my skate sharpened at a local um, like hockey store and the guy sharpening my skates recognized me from the website and was like, Oh my God, I, I read your website all the time. And like, it's really, really helped me. Like I've been, I've been getting a lot of extra work and gigs through like job postings that you guys have put up there um, from the interviews that you do. I've learned a lot. And like, I really appreciate it. And like, wow, that's, that's crazy. Like I've never been like recognized before uh, out in the street. Cause I do like a networking website and like run a couple of Twitter pages. So that's really cool. And that's one of the main things that, that keep me going is people actually do appreciate the job that the website does and what it teaches them. And honestly, there's no real money in it for me. Like anytime I make any money off the site through ads or anything, it all goes back into web hosting or to do different things within the, the company to help people. So 
it, it's not a financial gain, but what I gain from meeting people and expanding my own network and almost like I can almost cold call anybody in the entire broadcast industry right now. And not that they would know who I am, but they maybe have seen an article before or they've heard about the website or seen it on Instagram, which is really cool because, you know, when I first started this 10 years ago, when I was an intern somewhere, like people who I worked with didn't even know who I was. So it's been yeah. a pretty cool, like full circle thing. Well, Taylor, I don't think there's any question about it. You're definitely a motivator in motion with all the work you're doing here with helping other people out and helping them really to get to where they want to go. Ultimately, I think that's what it's all about. So definitely kudos to you and congrats on all the work and success with Schuld Media Group and all the stuff you're doing with hockey as well in Canada. And, uh, you know, we all know that it all balances out, right? It all, uh, everything kind of helps something else uh, in our life with different jobs we're doing and, and, uh, and different work. So I don't think any question about that. And for people who want to check you out, Taylor, and find the work you're doing, maybe for the first time, where's the best place for them to go? The best place to go would be our website, shouldmediagroup.com. And Schuld is spelled S-H-O-L-D. So shouldmediagroup.com. And we're on Twitter, we're on Facebook, we're on Instagram, we're everywhere. So wherever you like to go, we're, we're there. But the website has all the articles, has all the videos, has our job placement service. If there's people who are looking for uh, gigs, we have people like job liaisons who are working with news and sports directors uh, all the time looking to fill more so entry-level jobs in the, in, in the industry. So if you're looking for your first on-air gig, it's a great spot to go. Um, we also do demo reel criti- critiques. So for 50 bucks, send me your reel. And I go through with a fine tooth comb, tell you what you can do to improve. Um, I look at your social media to see what you can improve there. Uh, just personal branding things on YouTube, on Instagram, uh, things like that as well. And it's really a great service. Someone actually emailed me not too long ago and said, Hey, like, just so you know, I, I just landed a new job and it was all cause of my reel. So like, you know, thanks so much for your help. And that's a big thing too. Like, honestly, it's not a lot of money. It's 50 bucks, but the value and the insight you get from a second set of eyes, that's not your mom and dad is is huge in this industry because you know well as you would as you would probably know like you get a lot of oh that's great like nice work yeah but great nice work doesn't get you hired it's when people actually really go through your stuff and take a look at what you can really do to improve and honestly some things like how you hold the microphone or how your head is tilted like you may not even think about that stuff or what you're wearing but like i'll you know i'll, I'll be honest with you and if i think you're standing funny or if i think you you know, smack your lips at the end of every sentence. Like I'll let you know, and I'll, I'll make sure that you can eliminate any sort of bad habits that you might have going forward. If let's say you say like too much, or you say, of course, or, you know, I'll tell you, listen, you've got a crutch. You always say that at the end of every sentence or when, when you're doing the interview with somebody, you always finish with like, Oh yeah, that's right. Great. And then you move on to your next question. Like it's all about elimination. You want to eliminate all the bad things and keep all the good things. And that's one thing that I I definitely try to help people with. Taylor, we appreciate the time. Continued success. Uh, We're all looking forward to following you and everything you have going on with Schuld Media Group. And thank you for motivating us here today on Motivators in Motion. Thanks so much for having me. I really appreciate it. Interactive offers have taken traditional marketing to the next level. With a technology that allows publishers to serve dedicated emails, in-email native ads, and other media channels with a cost-per-click model. Publishers remain in control of their audience by selecting inventory that will best fit their users. Interactive offers have partnered with leading publishers such as Raging Bull, 
Motley Fool, and The Washington Times to help marketers boost traffic, get conversions, and increase revenue through different media channels all in one hub. Their goal is to remain completely transparent and maximize ROI and revenue. Whether you're looking to get traffic or already have traffic in place, Interactive Offers can boost your profits and conversions. Visit InteractiveOffers.com to get started today. Interactive Offers. Smarter marketing, better results. That's InteractiveOffers.com. That's all for this episode of Motivators in Motion. For more information to keep you motivated between episodes, be sure to visit MotivatorsInMotion.com to sign up for our newsletter and receive daily inspirational tips, strategies, and resources. That's available exclusively on MotivatorsInMotion.com.